Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 3-1 Outlet Podcast. It's your main man, the boy, the creator, on the mighty sand for holding up here. And this week, we did dabble into a few current events, like the inauguration that's coming up. We shared our thoughts on the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King. We talked about the NBA and how the COVID is affecting the league with the cancellation of games and all the spreading that's going around. We also talked about one of the worst <laughs> top 50 rankings players list I've ever seen. But then we also did dabble into the marriage dating relationship game. You know, on the mental side, we kind of went really deep on it for a second. Well, I went deep on it. But I hope you all enjoy. And you guys stay blessed and have a wonderful week. Shalom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of the 301 Outlet Podcast. And we got some spicy stuff to talk about today. We got some great, great crazy insane just we gotta go balls to the wall today but before we go in want to do the typical shout outs shout out to almost 300 total plays we're at 271 shout out to the 10 five stars and apple podcast that was dope when i saw that i was like oh yeah we really getting somewhere shout out to everybody showing support shout out to the gang shout out to the family shout out to the friends acquaintances everybody motivating me to be like, hey, man, listen, y'all are killing it. Keep pushing. Keep doing what y'all do. I appreciate y'all. And I wanted to shout out two particular podcasts. Okay, shout out first of all to Real Life of Christ. Talia, I fuck with you because when we talk, you ended up sharing a podcast with your friends group, and that was like the greatest thing in the world. So if you're listening, I appreciate you. And the next one is Careless as Fuck Podcast by Ayanna Miller. But shout out to her. She retweeted us on Twitter. It was dope. So shout out to those two podcasts. So we are starting off with the banger. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> I am at a loss of words. <laughs> my gosh, man. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This is this is ridiculous. So, it finally happened, everybody. For you NBA listeners, James Harden got traded. He did it. It happened. He got traded to to the Nets. Crazy, crazy trade. Let me even pull that thing up right now. I have it all screenshot. And Nets definitely uh, lost that trade. Honestly, definitely lost that trade. They pretty much, I feel as though they kind of sold their soul for that trade if you think about it i feel as though it's like the same mistake that most big teams uh that most certain teams make honestly when it comes to uh you know trying to like acquire big names like big blockbuster trades you just give away your future and like all your like picks just for like one player but i guess probably just to reach the championship honestly the nets lost that trade though i would never did that if i was the nets it didn't make sense to me honestly uh i say the nets lost the trade and the Rockets won only for the sole fact that, and they're going to have a starting lineup of John Wall, Victor Oladipo, PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. Christian Wood, and and Demarcus Cousins. That is a squad for me. My only thing with Brooklyn is what everyone else is saying. There's one basketball and three ball dominant superstars on one team. Granted, KD is fine with working off ball, but you saw Kyrie with LeBron 
Kyrie wants to run the show. Kevin Durant don't give two fucks if he got the ball or not, because either way, he's getting 27 points per game. That's a, that's a gimme. But for Kyrie, Ky, Kyrie likes to make things happen. I just look at the squad that the Rockets have, and the same thing with James Harden. I don't know. I mean, James Harden did play off ball um, as the, you know, as the off guard in OKC, but we'll see. It's a lot of egos and personalities on one team, inexperienced first year head coach and Steve Nash. It's it's going to be interesting. If it doesn't happen this year, it will definitely happen. You know, they'll definitely go to the finals next year. I think the Lakers will still repeat. There is nothing that you can say and or do to persuade me otherwise, unless it actually happens. I agree with some of the things that I saw on Twitter where I don't think the Nets even make it out the Eastern Conference. Just with everything that's going on. I mean, it's still early. Yeah, I mean, we're only we're only 10 games in. But right now, Mark, you'll love this. Philly looks like the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid is What's his what's his stat line like thirty like thirty and ten or something like that? I mean it's not crazy stat line, but it's something that it it's what we should have been seeing from Joel Embiid these last few years in Philly. I don't care if it was under Brett Brown. I don't care what the situations was with that team. I personally believe Joel Embiid should have been doing this from the get from the get go. Yeah, he's averaging 26 and 12 right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Honestly, I really don't uh, agree with the, um, like, the Nets, the Nets trying to get Harden because if you think about it, you saw how James Harden was dealing with Chris Paul in um, Houston. Now I feel like James Harden is literally going right back to the same situation. Like, you're a ball-dominant point guard, and now you're just going back to, like, another ball-dominant point guard like Kyrie Irving. I'm confused on why James Harden decided to go to the Nets and he's kind of like contradicting himself in a way of like what he wants to, you know, what his role wants to be on a team. Cause we all know James Harden can be that superstar, but it's just that, you know, with the Rockets and everything and the kind of offense, they really never had a championship offense. James Harden really should have went somewhere where like he can actually like have a change of pace with the offense and also still be ball dominant. But Going to the Nets, all of those, like Darian was saying, all of those egos, same position, like same kind of point guard with Kyrie Irving. KD can play all, off ball, but it's like literally no kind of like, I guess, chemistry and like you still have like an inexperienced team. Yeah, I can't really see him really doing like too much. That's why the trade is not really like that big of a deal right now because then I can't really can't see the Nets making that much noise uh, like this season, especially with everything else going on. And Kyrie Irving, you know, just like missing games for personal reasons, quote unquote, and just uh, not following you know, COVID protocol. So there's a lot of distractions going on in, with the Nets. And honestly, James Harden joining the Nets just causes more distractions and more drama on the team. See, here's the thing with that personal reason stuff is we don't the reason why I don't want to get so far into that is because we don't know for sure why he's taking time off it could really be anything and he just doesn't want to talk about it granted him going to his sister's birthday I get it but in this sense it's a very bad look for him that's true yeah it's like with Dwayne Haskins like 
I don't I could care less about what you do in your spare time when you you know when you're off the field or in Kyrie's case off the court, but at least just wear a mask, especially if there are cameras around, just wear a mask. You know your picture's gonna get taken, you know who you are, you already have a bad relationship with the media, and then you're in a position to where you're teammates and your coaches and the organization can't even back you up because they don't know what's going on they're like well we're just as clueless about the situation as you guys are KD don't know what's going on so of course the narratives are going to be spun in whichever way they are they're you know they're going to be spun in because you're not saying anything anything because I mean we all know how you feel about the media you're not going to say anything to us because you feel like you owe you don't owe the media any explanation whatsoever which okay cool I mean kind of you know in this sense you don't but you owe your teammates and your team an an explanation on what's going on with with you and why you can't show up to the games and play all right so me personally I feel like the Rockets won this trade and it's not even close and I'll tell you why number one the Nets threw away their whole future again for the second time in like less than a decade they're extremely top heavy but they literally have nothing else. Like, they didn't just give up their future. They gave up their young people. They Basically, the Nets said, listen, we're all in for a title. If we don't win before Katie and Kyrie's contracts run out, it is what it is. So they basically put themselves back in a situation, like you said, Evan, back in, like, 2013, when they made that KG Paul Pierce trade, and they basically gave up, like, three, four first-round picks in their whole future, and they just got themselves back together in 2019, you know, digging from the dirt, picking players off the scrap heap, building a culture. And then they do this, it's kind of like, it shows that the Nets are just the type of team where they're so hungry for a championship that they're willing to do anything they, they can to get their hands on it. And I get it. I understand. Winning a championship is great. But when you're throwing your entire future away as a franchise, when you know that is not a guarantee that you're going to get it, that's kind of like you being harmful and hurting yourselves more. Because the Cavs did that with LeBron. You know, they won the 2016 championship. You know, it was one of the best championships we've probably ever seen. Actually, you know, did ever see. They came back with three, down 3-1. There was a Kyrie shot. There was a LeBron block. There was a game five where Logan dropped 41 apiece. It was a show. It was the game six in Cleveland where LeBron was just doing whatever the hell he wanted. And game seven was a back and forth encounter. It was great. But look what the Cavs are now. They're basically back to square one and they got to rebuild from the bottom to get back just to be a competent team. Like we're not even talking like a title contender or even a playoff contender team, just a competent, respectable franchise. And the Nets are going to do that all over again because not only did they give up first round picks, they gave up second round picks. They literally said, listen, we want James Harden so bad. We're about to throw y'all the kitchen sink, the keys to the house, keys to my car and my garage. Like they was like, hey, we want to do this. So honestly, let's see what happens. I'm not going to cast judgment on it. Oh, and there's another point, though. As a result of this trade and all the picks they got after LeBron leaves L.A., guess who's set to run the West? The Houston Rockets. Yeah, the Rockets, they definitely do have the best future in the uh in the West as far as uh talent wise. Victor Oladipo, and they have Demarcus Cousins over there. You know, as long as he's still in good uh condition, like as long as he's still healthy, he can still ball out. 
So it's going to be interesting moving forward, honestly. Like, that just trade, like, James Harden, like, moving over to the East, like, changes the whole dynamic of the NBA, honestly. And then the thing on Kyrie Irving, um, here's the thing with that. I saw it, and Kyrie's always been kind of the different type of guy, the different type of superstar. He's not your typical NBA. Very different. (laughs) Very outspoken, likes to really go left field with his philosophy and how he thinks. The thing with this, though, we have no idea what's going on in Kyrie's personal life because remember when he ended up, he was on his, he was kind of acting weird last year and we found out that his grandma passed. And he even himself said that really hurt him heavily mentally. You know, he was questioning life, questioning basketball, questioning a lot of things. And he kind of had to readjust himself and it took him a long time to do that. With this, we don't know what's going on. You know, maybe Kyrie just simply wanted to just be with his family because I didn't know that his uh, his sister and his dad have birthdays within the same week. I didn't know that. I was like, wow, that's surprising. So maybe he simply just wanted to, you know, hang out with his family, clear his head, get in a better space. But regardless of that, bro, this is why you are a professional athlete. Just the same thing what happened with Derrick Rose when he just kind of left the Cavs and then left. He was on the Knicks, so he did the same thing on the Knicks. When he kind of yeah, just- went off the grade. I remember that. And just literally like didn't tell anyone. Come on, bro, you got to tell somebody. Like, like they mm-hmm. got they, like Kyrie got Steve Nash over here looking dumb. Steve Nash don't even know what the heck is going on. He he's just pulling you know nice PR stuff, saying the right things because you know he's a professional. So he was like, all right, I'm gonna cover Kyrie. I'm not about to drag him through the mud. But yeah, like at least let your coach know. At least let your the right people in place know. Like, listen, man, I need a couple days. I'm not in the right headspace. I can't function when I want to function, so I'm going to need a few days off. It's understandable. We all go through it in regular life. But we just have those string of days where we are just off. Like, we're just off the game, off the mark. We're not feeling ourselves. We feel weird. We feel dragging. We feel like, oh, dang, I just can't do it. It's understandable. Kyrie Irving, at the end of the day, he's still a human being just like all of us. And he's still goes through the same emotions like we all do. He's just someone that's in the spotlight. So everything he does is social justice. You know what's going on in the world right now. We don't got to talk about the polygamy that's going on. Don't be out here, you know, barefaced, getting caught in videos and getting flicked up. Come on now. That's dumb. Just like when James Harden did it, bro, I was looking at him like, bro, come on, you can't be stupid, bro. Like, you can't be caught lacking like that. That's one. And like I said, the other point, just be a professional, bro. Tell somebody what's going on so that when the media comes up, like, hey, because we already know, especially Kyrie Irving, especially the media loves to channel in and hold in on whatever he's doing, whatever he's saying, whatever's going on with Kyrie Irving. Whatever goes on with that man is a headline. You know that. Like, Kyrie is not stupid. I know he's, he may say some crazy stuff. He may ramble. He may say some things. You'd be like, oh, that's very controversial, but the guy is not stupid. I listened to when he was on the podcast with Kevin Durant. He's not stupid. The guy is intelligent. The guy knows what he's doing. It's just that I feel like sometimes he's just not aware of what's going on and, what, and the name and the gravity that he goes. Looked after at, at like the fifth, sixth degree and looked over over 20 times and criticized so much. But my only thing with Kyrie is two things. Like Danny said, bro, you know who you are. You know when you go out, people going to take pictures. Somebody's going to flick you up. Wear a mask, bro. Just be smart, bro. You know you can get caught in the camera wear a mask. So that's my whole thing with the Kyrie stuff. 
Yeah, honestly. And that's the thing. It's like, no one's going to, like, like you said, no one's going to, like, criticize Kyrie for, like, simply going out. Maybe Kyrie was just being low-key about it because, you know, he probably just didn't feel like, you know, I guess telling people, like, dealing with it and just, it's probably a lot going on at the, uh, like, like, at one time for him. But at the same time, he just needs to simply communicate because I saw a report where, like, the Nets were getting annoyed with Kyrie, talking about they can find him up to, like, $450,000 or something like that for, like, not communicating with the team and, like, just missing these games because he went four straight games just, like, not showing up due to personal reasons. But simply, he's had to communicate with the head coach, you know, your, the, uh, the GM. And I'm pretty sure Steve Nash is understanding. And then the fact that what made it worse is that he got caught at a party, like you said. Like you said, these athletes have to be smarter because you know you're a global icon. You know you're well known, and everything you do is just going to be amped up by the media, like regardless, no matter whether you're having any bad intentions. Or well, I'm pretty sure he has no bad intentions, but for the simple fact that you can literally slip up, it can be like misinterpreted, and you know it's going to like blow up out of proportion. And now everyone's going to look at you as like an irresponsible guy. Oh, you're a bad person. Oh, you're you know putting everybody at risk of like getting COVID. You know, making every the whole team unsafe. Because it says something about, I think, believe if you return this week, which is not, though, but the whole team will have to quarantine because he was at the birthday party. But, yeah, he's not coming back this week. And honestly, with the Kyrie thing, it's just the fact that Kyrie just didn't go about handling his personal business uh, in a professional way. All he had to do was simply communicate with the team. Of course, like, if you're going to go to the party, wear a mask, that's it. You just can't make these little, like, little mistakes because the little mistakes you make are going to be, like, you know, blown out of proportion and like a big deal is going to be made out of it for the, for the simple, for the simple fact that you're a celebrity. So that's my uh, take on that. So, like I said, um, with the Nets, they basically are a boomer bust team at this point. Like they've gone all in. They have to make the finals. They have to make the finals at the very least because I don't think they're going to win because like Darian said, the problem with the Nets is just the fit and how they go because Kevin Durant, he's learned how to play off-ball because he played off-ball in Golden State. Literally. He was literally, like, basically, that's how he even built up his defense because he didn't have to do so much in the offensive ends. He's like, okay, I can kind of move around, keep moving, keep and be in the flow of the offense. I'm not the offensive focus. And then I could give more energy on the defensive end. So what I'm going to see with the Bruins is two things. One, defense. I don't see them stopping anybody. I just don't see it. Like, they're basically going to be they're basically going to be how the Rockets were over the past few years, where they're either they're going to just run up the score, or they're going to have to basically rely heavily on their big three to bail them out of games. And two, the style because James Harden and Kyrie Irving are two of the most ball dominant players in the NBA. Like I'm literally sitting here like, how is this going to work? One of them is going to have to sacrifice. One of them is going to have to going to accept less touches than the other. And in my opinion, I feel like James Harden should be the one that should go off ball a little bit. In my humble opinion, because people forget that James Harden has a mid range game. James Harden has a very versatile offensive game. Just the fact he's been in Houston for so long, and after a while, he didn't have to use it because then Tony came in and said, basically, all right, you're just going to shoot threes and make lefts. And the funny thing about it is, I wonder how. He's reunited with Zoe Coach, so he's most likely going to end up playing the same, but I wish that he would play a little bit more off-ball, 
you know, working the mid-range more because he's a physical two guard. Like, and he was a two guard in OKC, I believe. Like, like he really could just only work in cutting more, more mid-range plays, just being more around the court than this, okay, I'm just about to chuck up 15 threes and then go to the line. I don't see that working in Brooklyn. He has to adapt this game because I feel like Kyrie with the ball in his hands just works better because not only he's just the better, not even this dribbler, not even this handler, him with the ball attracts the defense more. Like imagine Kyrie comes up with the ball. He's dribbling, doing his crazy moves. You got KD and James Harden moving around the court. You're, one of them is going to get open. There's no way you're going to be able to stop both of them. And even if you try to stop both of them, Kyrie himself is a shot creator. So one of them is going to get a bucket. There's no way you're going to be able to stop all three of them on the offensive possession. So they have the potential to truly be dangerous, but they all have to form their games to make it work. All right, so there you go. This, this is what happens when you don't eat and you're just grinding all the time. God, maybe not eat a single thing. Damn it, nigga, you should have got some Burger King. Right, this, they do have that little dollar thing where you can get like, well, like a bacon cheeseburger, or drink some fries and nuggets. Like you can really like, get like a whole meal for like five dollars now. Yes, sir. Oh yes, there we go. So, all right, current event literally just happened about like an hour ago. Donald Trump has been impeached by the House of Representatives. They're about to say he put the whole thing on trial, like it usually does. And then basically that trial is going to dictate whether he's going to be either removed from office or if they don't remove him, he's just going to end up being unable to run for president. Which is, you know, is it good or bad thing whether you look at it or not? But I want to talk about the upcoming inauguration. What do you guys think is going to happen? Oh, I want to say about Trump's impeachment, and this is something that I, I got off Twitter, so don't act like I came up with this myself because I'm not that clever. You know, you're a billionaire, you get this job, and it's a really good job. You know, it requires a lot of responsibility, right? And you do terribly at it and you get fired from it. And the consequences of you getting fired from it is you still have a billion dollars. You can still live life of luxury for the rest of your life. To me, them doing this again at the end of his term, to me, it means nothing. Now, taking him to, taking him to trial and seeing, you know, I mean, just say he can't run for president again. That's what I would say to stop this from happening again, at least from him. You know, he still has some followers that will try and take this same route and get into this position of power and try and flex their power the way Trump has. With the inauguration, I didn't even think he was still going on. But I guess it is still going on. Hopefully, people will be socially distanced and wearing a mask. I'm pretty sure that there will that there will be some go out like a wuss. I think it's gonna go by smoothly. I think that with all of these threats, especially after what happened, you know, just a week just a week ago at the U.S. Capitol, I think that. They will have, this will probably be the most heavily guarded event the city has ever seen, that this country has ever has ever seen. I don't think that, you know, Trumpies, you know, some, you know, some MAGAers. He called them Trumpies. <laughs> Trump already said that he's not going to see 
you know, that he's not going to be there for, for, for the inauguration. So he's going to, you know, how in the last few inaugurations you've had, you know, the president and vice president, you know, walking outside of a car. You know, they're just walking on, you know, walking on the street so that people can see them and wave to them. I don't think that's going to happen. They're going to be in bulletproof armored cars and armored, you know, limousines and um, stuff like that. And that's just how it's going to be. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything wild. I don't think it's going to be anything reckless or rash. I think it's going to go by smoothly. The next president, vice president will be sworn in. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it oh, is going to oh, run yeah, smoothly. Oh, you, you can go it's next time. It's going to run smoothly. Like, my next run ain't going to be too long. Because guess what I, Guess what my plan is for inauguration? Same as it was already. I'm staying home. Yeah, honestly, the inauguration, the inauguration, it's going to run smooth because I think these these Trump wackos or whatever, I think they're some of them are finally learning their lesson. Some of them probably are kind of mad at Trump because they're finally getting theirs. They're finally being labeled as terrorists. They're finally getting kicked off the kick, um, kicked off the planes and removed from airports because literally they are terrorists. They are committing um, insurrection. So I'm pretty sure they learned their lesson. It's the fact Some that videos they, was hilarious they, they, too. Yep. Uh huh. Like Some they actually getting arrested, getting disciplined for literally you're storming like national ground and everything. And if you try to do some stupid out inauguration, you're gonna probably this time they could probably like end up shooting y'all on sight. We do some stupid out of inauguration with the new president getting sworn in with Joe Biden. So. I'm pretty sure it's gonna go smooth. That's all I have to say on that. I think these Trumpies learned their lesson. <laughs> My thing about the inauguration is, what's interesting for me, I honestly just don't see what's gonna happen. Cause you already know, these mob, these mob, these market people, man, they they gonna try something. They gonna try something so stupid. They are gonna do something so foolish, and it's gonna be, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be comedy to walk. I'm not about to hold you. When I was seeing those reports that they were putting the people on no fly zone. I laughed. I literally laughed. I was like, that's what you get for being stupid for throwing the temper tantrum and following a loser and being so bigotry and showing so much not like I, I can't even describe what happened last Wednesday in one word. It was an embarrassment to America, embarrassment to what we're supposed to stand for. And you really thought it was gonna get away scot free. You know, he's gonna go home. You know, put your feet up, open up a can of beer, and just watch TV like nothing happened. No, 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 no. That's not how the real world works, man. You have to be responsible for what you do. I thought they were going to cancel. I thought it was going to be like some Zoom conference. I'm going to be real with you. But it's the one to do it. So let's see what happens. Let's hope nothing happens to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That would be tragic. I hope they don't try to do nothing crazy. You know, people, people are unpredictable nowadays. You can't really predict what people are going to do. Mark, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm about to talk right. about uh, Tyrese Maxey. Yes, sir. And, yeah, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, I'm pretty um impressed. Uh, I believe he scored. Um, let's see, how many points did he score last game? Like 36. Uh, what was it? 31 points. 39 points. Yeah, yeah, 39 points. Yep. Um, Tyrese Maxey, he's the future, and that's why I was excited when the Sixers uh, drafted him. Uh, yeah, we finally have like a point guard who can sp- spread the floor more. Um. Of course, Ben Simmons, that's why he's a spot on point guard. He can do the same thing. But we have a point guard who's not afraid to actually take jump shots. We have a good point guard that can come off the bench in place of Ben Simmons, you know, fresh off the bench and make game that uh, can put up efficient numbers. And, of course, uh, 
you know, just uh, contribute to our offense uh, much better. And because last year, as you saw, the Sixers really didn't have a true backup point guard. And of course, he happened to be that uh, he, I believe, he went off for, a, a, what was it, 46 points that game as well. Um, same game in overtime. Yeah, Embiid, he's like playing top, uh, top notch too. And it goes to show how good Embiid is. So the Sixers right now, they're looking like, like I'm not speaking as a Sixers fans, but they are looking like um, one of the most solid teams in the East right now. And of course, some of these losses, I'm not really mad about our last two losses because really, which that's the next topic I want to get into, we shouldn't have been playing these games because literally almost half of our team was out due to COVID, which I'm kind of confused on what Adam Silver, I don't know if he has anything against the Sixers or Philly teams, but we, like, all these other games have been postponed when, like, one or two players, like, tested positive for COVID. Uh, the Celtics game, for example, when Jason Tatum tested positive, they canceled their game. It, um, but literally, like, only eight players uh, were active during one game, um, this past game or whatever, and we still had to go out there and play. So I'm not understanding why. It seems like the NBA is kind of, like, punishing the Sixers for this because if literally half the players can't play due to COVID uh, protocol, like, COVID issues – then we these games should have been at least postponed because they've been postponing like and I think believe Evan said earlier I believe it's a total of seven uh, games have been postponed so far, but that goes to show I feel as like the league has favorites. Yeah, I'm kind of like just frustrated with the Sixers overall, like with how the NBA is like dealing with the um some of the COVID protocols, especially with uh, the Sixers. Yeah, you have anything to say about it? The Lakers are still repeating. That's all. The thing with the Sixers, the Sixers are finally fulfilling their potential that they should have been doing like probably two years ago. And, that's, and like I told, I told you, Mark, I said, bro, honestly, it was a coach. Brett Brown was not a good coach. Like, nope. he, he wasn't like, I'm not gonna say he was a trash coach. No, he wasn't horrible. Don't get me wrong. Like it's just he that was, he didn't know how to close out games. Like that's the issue. Not, he didn't switch his rotations. Like he was trying to do the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, Bro, people were coming like predictable at this point. Like people were like figuring this out too much, honestly. And that's and what it was. I did the switch it. It was too late. Doc Rivers is not to blame for the Clippers fiasco. The Clippers fiasco is a multi-sided thing, but he ended the scapegoat for us. I honestly want them to do well because honestly, I think a Lakers Sixers finals would be dope. It'd be like nostalgia if you think about it. You know, go back to Iverson days. That'd be like almost like childhood nostalgia. <laughs> to see the Sixers. Let's go back to the Iverson days when the Lakers played played the Sixers. I would love that. Yeah, that's like childhood nostalgia to see the Sixers and Lakers again. Honestly, and honestly, yeah, I'm really because I was excited when we got Doc Rivers. I'm like, you know, the Sixers. They we finally got like a championship. You know, a championship uh, head coach in the NBA. So I know Doc. Like I trust Doc Rivers honestly, and I was like, we finally have a head coach that knows how to like seal the deal and knows what it's like to actually win a championship and make it you know, become, uh, to make it all the way and actually become a contender. So I, I'm, like, very optimistic about this uh, sixth season. At least one Philly team is actually, looks like they have everything together. Unlike, you know, the Eagles and Phillies, all the front office drama. Can't really well, say too much about hockey since I'm not really into that. Well, but, well, well, you know, well, like, well, like the to make you like, feel you know, better, the Flyers season. just beat the Penguins, so you can hang your hat on that. Say the score. <laughs> Say the score. Say the score, Darius. But any Philly team wins. What was the score? Hey, look, when any Philly team wins, like the whole city wins. What was the score? So, hey. (laughs) Hey, bro. I'm going to lob y'all the final score. Yeah, the Sixers, I think we're like the only level of the team. Six to three. Thank you. Six to three. Thank you. 
We yeah, also play the so, Capitals on Sunday, so uh, uh, I'll talk to you then. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to say about my Sixers, though. I Honestly, I'm optimistic. Of course, I'm just kind of pissed off of how we've been treated with this COVID, with these COVID protocols, but I'm optimistic with our future, though. I'm really happy we didn't get James Harden because we would have got James Harden. We would have, like, traded no, no did what the Nets did, like, pretty much sell out, honestly. Well, you can't get mad at the NBA for the COVID protocols and stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. the, Wizard, the Wizards and the, and the Celtics have been getting um, – Hit pretty hard with it too, as well as Miami. So, um, I mean, but I see, but I, but I see, but I see where you're coming from. Y'all did have like what seven, eight players, and y'all still won against Miami the other day. So, like, I don't want to be that guy because I honestly, as much as I joke about the Sixers, I, I, it's actually good to see the Lakers, the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Knicks all playing well. But also, we're only 10 games in. I want to see what they do in March. Not saying that they can't keep this play up, but I want to see what they do in, you know, in March. And Therese Maxey is exactly what you were saying he was. He looks like he is that steal that you were talking about because that boy can ball, you know, and he's one of those rookies that not a lot of people are talking about. Like, everyone's stuck on uh, LaMelo and Wiseman and what's his name? Halliburton. Everyone's stuck on them, but you got to look at Therese Maxey. Joel Embiid is playing, you know, is playing at the level in which he's shown flashes of it over the last few years with Brett Brown, but now he's doing it consistently over, you know, a stretch of games. I just want to see if he can keep this up throughout the rest of the season. And to touch upon your point about the draft, uh, Damien, the thing that I see that's about to happen in the next few years, this draft, honestly, is way more talented than people take it for. It just doesn't have a lot of superstars, which is not a bad thing. Honestly, I would rather take a draft where you have a lot of players that are productive NBA players, productive role players, Nice players you would love to have on your team because they added elements of they can shoot, they can play defense, they can shot create, they can play mate. Like this draft, honestly, looking at it, like let's say like the mid teens to like the mid 20s, there's a lot of talent that went in the draft at that spot where in the next few years, they're all going to be productive and positive NBA players. Like I said, Sadiq Bay, DMV prospect. But the thing that's so great about him, he's the prototypical 3-and-D wing you want in the NBA. And he's strong. He's a strong 3-and-D wing. He's not a 3-and-D wing where, you know, you're going to push him up. No, he's a strong 3-and-D wing. That's why he can play the 4. He has potential of playing the 4 in the league. He's a 3-4 Swiss Army knife that can shoot the 3, play defense, go to the rim, and is a winning player. He has a winning mentality. He wants to go out there and get it. And you also have players like Tyrese Maxey, same thing. Tyrese Maxey is a killer. And I was surprised he dropped to 21 and dropped to the Sixers. Josh Green, the guy that went to the Mavericks, 3D wing that could shoot. There's a lot of players that went for Bruce Pritchard, another one. Like, there's a lot of players that have gone in, like, the late first round of this draft that in next few years, they're going to end up being really, really good players. They're going to be the type of players where – you're going to pay them money just because you want them on the team and they have a positive impact. Like, it's not all about the top three, four, five, top ten all the time. I'm kind of 
giddy about this draft. Like I said, I can't wait to see the players develop. And anyone that's going to give them a hard time this season, I don't know what to tell you. This is the most awkward regular season in basketball history. There was no summer league. There was barely a training camp. There was barely a preseason. They basically got drafted and had to report to the teams right away. There was no, you know, building camaraderie much. It was kind of like, all right, you guys in the league, all right, y'all got to come. Training camp starts next week. Training camp is only two weeks. Preseason is only a week. Three weeks, we get, and after that, we're about to be rolling for the regular season. So you have to give these guys time to adjust to the game, get their footing, get their footing together. So I want people to give these guys at least two, three years. Two, three years, see what they are at the end of their rookie contract, and then you can cast judgment. Next, <laughs> I know you guys saw that horrible top 50 list. If you guys want me to read it, I will read it off. From fifty all the way. Yeah, up. I didn't even see the full list. No, honestly, I didn't even see yeah, the full list at all. But list, the fact that, no, the fact that he puts a bonus at fifty, bro. No, when I saw he puts a bonus at fifty, I did. I didn't take the list seriously. Like honestly, I couldn't <laughs> tell dude was trolling or not, bro. Like well, as soon as I saw, like at the very beginning of the video, I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I don't have time, bro. I'm like, I was the same way. I was the same way, It's like at the very beginning of the list, you can tell. I can't even tell if the dude was like. Trolling a serious though, because I do like he was trolling, honestly, from the YouTube video. I don't know. I'm not really too familiar. So I think that list was more like a troll, honestly. I mean, okay. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, I'm going to give y'all the synopsis because 2K and like basketball YouTube, that's my shit. So OSN, he's the guy that used to play like, he used to play like my team, you know, do all the open, all the damn packs for money. He used to play my team, he used to play a little bit of uh, play now line and, you know, trip up the all that stuff. So he ended up really blowing up off of that, and now he kind of is like like a casual sports fan where he like he, and he's a reaction channel too. Like he just reacts to games. So uh, one of those. I saw this, but I was like, he always does this at the end. He always comes up with an outlandish top fifty list. You know, it gets clicks, it gets the ad revenue. You know, he makes money off of it, so I can't blame him. Man, he, he he's being smart. Yeah, I he figured. Knows. That's why I didn't take it seriously. Yeah, he like. Knows. That he has over a million subscribers, so he's definitely gonna make money off these videos where people just be like, "Wow, this list was trash." But no, I'm just objectively looking at this list, and this list is horrible. So I'm gonna read it up slowly. I read the bottom 25, and then we we'll react. We'll say I'll take, and then the top 25. All right. So number 50, like you said, he had Devontae Smith. Number 49, he had Marcus Smart. Number 48, he had Kyle Lowry. 47, Shea Gilligas Alexander. 46, Gordon Hayward. 45, Karis Bird. 44, Delino Gallinari. 43, Delo. 42, De'Aaron Fox. 41, Triple J. 40, CP3. <laughs> 39. Wait, wait, why can't why take can't the wheel? Look, 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 no. No, why is CP3 at 40? Like, that makes no sense. Like, why is CP3 oh, no, that no, low? No, 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 no. Just wait like, till he gets to the top 20. Nah, bro. <laughs> it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. 39, Brendan Ingram. 38, Nikola Vucevic. 37, Zach Levine. <laughs> hey, yo, did you say 37? <laughs> why is Zach Levine? You why is Zach Levine in front of CP3? Personally? Word. First, keep going. Oh. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Thirty-six. Demar Derozan. I don't think this man ever needs to talk again. Like ever. 
34 Blake Griffin. <laughs> what? <laughs> How is Blake Griffin even top 50? First of all, Blake Griffin is not even keep going. Keep going. Just keep 30, going. John Morant. <laughs> 32 Trey Young. 31 Victor Oladipo. 30 Kemba Walker. 29 Bam Adebayo. 28 Zion Williamson. 26 Rudy Gobert. What? 27 Rudy Gobert and 26 Christos Porzingis. Oh my gosh. <laughs> First of all, why do you have Rudy Gobert that high on the list? I, I, no, just, just don't, don't even read no more. You got Rudy Gobert at number 26. You got Zach no, Levine. It gets worse. Board. It gets worse. It's top 25 is worse. No, I want y'all honest thoughts about this half before we get to the top 25. This Okay. 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 Y'all can go first. Yeah. Why, why is Vucci and Gobert higher than Chris Paul? Honestly. Why? Like, why is DeMar DeRozan higher than Chris Paul? Okay, no. Why is John Morant and Zion Williamson higher than Chris Paul? Honestly. Why did, did Chris Paul fuck his girl or something? Like, like <laughs> it's just the Chris, it's the Chris Paul disrespect. Bro, it literally is, but this man, mind you, Chris Paul was all team second NBA. If you don't have him in the top 20, you're tripping. Like, when I saw this, bro, I, and I'm pretty sure he knew it was going to be a hot take, bro. Because the way he reacted was hilarious. I was like, bro, you're doing this literally for quick sense. There's no way you could tell me that there's 40 players in the NBA that's better than Chris Paul. And the plays he put above him, too, bro. But I love Brandon Ingram to death. That's my boy. But he's not better than CP. Nikola Vucevic, come on now. Zach Levine, come on now. The and then, over. and then you Zion over Bam, like that, that, Zion, Zion I, hasn't even played a full season. That's, Zion's only played like forty games. That's a blasphemous, bro. This man put Zion Williamson over Bam, who Bam had is a top five center in the league. He's probably not even five. He's number four. Shout out to my boy Smiles. We showing you love on this one. But um, yeah, Bam was a top five center. If he's not top fifteen, top sixteen at the least, 17, 18, 19, 20. Around that range? No. 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 Like, th- this list is just bad. He put Kemba Walker at 30. How do you put someone who's been a perennial all-star for many years at 30? Like, I understand the NBA side. And like I said, the ball is still like Mark said, bro. When I heard him start saying, I'm like, all right, bro, stop the cap. Stop the cap. Stop the, stop the presses. Cut it. You just need to stop. <laughs> all right. Now let's get to the top 25, because the top 25 is just just, just blasphemous, bro. Like, when I say this, bro, you guys are going to be like, no, what? All right. Number 25, Jalen Brown. Number 24, Ben Simmons. Number 23, CJ McCollum. Number 22, Chris Middleton. Number 21, Bradley Beal. Number 20, Jason Tatum. Number 19, Carl Anthony Towns. Number 18, Donovan Mitchell. 17, PG-13. 16, Jamal Murray. <laughs> 15, Devin Booker. 14, Daniel Lillard. <laughs> 13, Joel Embiid. Shout out to Joel Embiid. 12, Luka Doncic. Right at this point, put Joel Embiid at top five, bro. You might as well put Joel Embiid at number five, bro. I think that's the worst one. 11 Russell <laughs> <laughs> 10 Kyrie Irving, 
Nine, Jimmy Butler. Number eight, Jokic. Number seven, Steph Curry. Six, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number five, Kawhi. Number four, James Harden. Number three, Kevin Durant. Number two, Anthony Davis. And number one, LeBron. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right, first I of all, I first of all, we need to tell this man to just delete his YouTube, delete his Twitter, <laughs> delete every social media. How is Damian Lillard not top 10? Exactly. About to say, yeah, Dave, if you're going to put, like, Kyrie Irving at top 10, Damian Lillard should be at top 10, bro. Like, you're going to put Kyrie Irving at number Kyrie nine. Irving. Come on now. It's so says. backwards. For all that, no. His, for all that, Joel and B should have been top 10. For all that, for what he was saying, Joel and B should have been top five based off his list. For what he would have ranked some of these players. Like, literally, <laughs> the way he was ranking these players in B should have been top five. Like, this list was just all over the place, bro. I don't know if he was going off order. It, it's... <laughs> There's no way he was serious about making this list. <laughs> yeah. No way that Damian Willard is the 14th best player in the NBA. And number three, he has, like, Devin Booker. Jokic I'm not, makes sense. I'm not mm. mad at where he has Embiid. I'm not mad at where he has where, – there are three things that, make, that just make me mad. I'm also not mad at his top five except – Switch Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. Yeah, AD's not better than KD. I don't care what no one says. AD, I'd rather have Kevin Durant. Switch Anthony the floor Davis and, 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 um, and Kevin Durant. The three things that I have a problem with. Number one, Jimmy Jimmy Butler, uh, as much as I love him, he's not top 10. He's Jimmy not Butler, top 10. It's Bradley Beal outside of the top 20. Yeah, kind of. If I was a Wizards fan, I would start to get pissed off, honestly. Like, I know they Mark, I know Bradley Beal is Mark, like, yeah. Mark, mm. I am a Wizards fan. I assure yeah. you, we don't care mm. at this point. We numb to it. Oh, yeah, for real, bro. Like, like honestly, he's literally holding it down, especially with Westbrook being out. I, I don't know what more Bradley Beal can do. Like, if he gets <laughs> snubbed from an all-star. And you're not an all-star. Yeah, like, at, at this point, coming to the NBA, they got, they got to do better. Like, I'm a big fan of the NBA when it comes to making their all-star selections, but Adam Silver, come on, bro. Like, you're a commissioner. You, you got to do better with selecting, like, this talent because Bradley Beal is, like, one of the – is a very good generational talent, honestly. He really deserves more credit, and especially for what he had to uh, do just to keep the Wizards, like, Bill, he just has to continue to prove himself, I guess. Goes well, to show, I, like, the market of the team makes all the difference. Well, I wouldn't – well, yeah, the market does make a difference, but I wouldn't put that on Adam Silver because the fans vote the players into the All Star game, and then you it have to play, be like that. And then you have the players. It, it's like it's like the fans vote in the starters, the and then the reserves are voted in like like part of like counts, and then the player votes, and most of the players, the players voted Brad in as a starter. But the fans were like, no, we want to see Trey Young, we want Luka, we want LeBron, we want these. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, as you said, the market, it's not even actually no, it's not even the market because Donovan an all-star team. Crowd is way in, but yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. 
that year that he cried and, and and he was pissed off about it, he deserved to be in the All Star game. Yeah, he balled year. out, and he got and he got and, and he was a makeup, but Rudy Gobert, in. but market mm-hmm. as in the team, you have to be like a superstar already coming into the league, as was Trey Young and Luke and Luka Doncic, because. Those two would have not made the all-star team, especially Trey Young. Now he only got only got in because someone on the West got hurt. That's even why Devin Booker even made this, even made the squad. It would have gotten in as if someone from the East had gotten hurt. But that didn't happen. About like players like Garnet like getting attention from like fans and media, Devin Booker in like Devin Booker and like Arizona athletes in general, they're kind of at a at the biggest disadvantage out of any market when you think about it. Because number one, they're a small market. So not a lot of so nobody really talks about teams like say the Suns in this case, unless they're winning. And number two, not only is their market small, it's on the West Coast. So people on the East Coast, which is where the majority of fans are, we don't get to see – we don't get access to Suns games all the time, like not unless they come to the East Coast or they're on ESPN, which is only like a couple times every year. So usually like unless an Arizona athlete is like the best of the best, like a De- like Devin Booker or Larry Fitzgerald was, we're not going to hear too much about him. Like that's that's the life of the Arizona athlete. It's, it's real low-key. Is because, or over the last few years, or the last couple of years, is one because he's been averaging thirty and a half points a game, and people see him and they're like, "Oh, well, he should go to the Lakers." And there's really Lakers fans saying, "Yeah, come, yeah, come, yeah, come to L.A." Lakers fans want everyone. I swear, that's the thing that blows me about your fans base. They can get every single body, like a, um, because we can get every single body. <laughs> Thank you very much. Mark, you should like, see Knicks have, fans and you should bro, see Celtics fans. You bro, should, especially Knicks fans. Yeah, bro. That's why people be going. When you talk about like the like them being like on superstar status, Bradley Beal is one of the most low key, if not the most low key, super not superstar, but star in the in the NBA. LeBron, bro, they be like, how much help does LeBron need? <laughs> nah, you, though, but did you yeah. see? Did you see the Golden State Warriors? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, but one, and as much as I would love to have Brad on the Lakers, I also don't want him leaving DC. So that's two and three. We really don't need him. We really go with with us. I mean, I think if he goes anywhere, he goes to Miami, but. Yeah, y'all pretty stacked already, so y'all really don't need. Yeah, as honestly, y'all get Bradley Beal, y'all want to be gaining much because you have to like pretty much give away somebody of equal talent. So yeah, yeah, we get pretty Kuzma, much. We be all right. Right. All right. To get Bradley Beal, they should have done it before the Anthony Davis trade because L.A. gave away their whole future in that deal, and that's exactly the type of stuff that we would want. Like we'd want young players because we have a young team. And we'd want draft picks. Now the Lakers don't have none of those. So it's like, even if they wanted to get Beal, they couldn't. He holds himself. He's definitely a superstar talent, but he doesn't have the superstar aura around him. That's why they're calling him a superstar. He's a star. 
And I have this uh, parameter that there's not 20 superstars in the NBA. That doesn't even make sense. Because in my opinion, if you're a superstar, you have to be the one to be able to lead your franchise to, at the very least, the finals or the conference finals. That's a superstar. If you're able to lead your team to the conference finals, like that's why I see um, Jokic as a superstar. Jokic is a superstar, in my opinion, because he helped lead that Nuggets team to the Western Conference Finals. He helped that team come back from 3-1, not once, but twice. So I think there's only really maybe like 10 superstars in the league. I don't even think we can really see him. Well, we consider Giannis uh, a superstar because he hasn't led his team play to the Conference Finals yet. But... Well, Giannis is a two-time MVP winner in the defense player of the year. Yeah. Not you're right. Uh, it's kind of reckless. Like his resume, right, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's a top six player. Five years. So he's definitely a superstar. Just like he has to actually build upon his skill set, not rely too much on his physical attributes. Because I noticed he kind of really relies on him just tumbling to the lane and just out-physicaling everybody, which is good. Like, out-bodying, you know, use this to your advantage, but that can't be your entire game, if you feel. You know, you got to have some type of skill. Like, you honestly got to get some post. You got to get a post game. You got to get a mid-range. Got to get a nice touch around the room, but it's not just about Duncan being on nice layups, cutting plays, rolling to the rim. But like, you got to get your skill down. Once Giannis gets his skill down, he gets his jump shot. I'm telling you, he's going to be unstoppable. Nobody's going to be able to beat that man. But yeah, there's like maybe like maybe eight, nine, ten superstars in a given time in the league. And the thing that makes this list so bad is just that he has players in place that they have no idea going, no business being there. Like Sabonis at 50, that is a travesty. The bonus is he was an all-star last year. He's one of the best up-and-coming big men in the league because not only does he have a strong post game, he has a solid offensive game. He could shoot. He could basically shoot almost anywhere on the court. He just got to get that three-ball on the but He's very good from basically 18-foot feet in, and he's one of the best passing big men in the league. He's low-key top-tier passing big men. Like, people don't even realize that because nobody watches in the end. <laughs> like, he's on a team that talk about a small market. You talk about the Wizards. The Wizards don't even have a small market. The Wizards have either the fifth or the sixth largest market in the league. It's just the fact that D.C. is just not a desirable free agent destination. Yeah, like New York, for example. The usual players that we drafted. The only, the biggest signing we ever did was Gilbert Rivers. That was the biggest signing. So, yeah, like D.C. is just not a desirable free agent destination. It's always been like that. But you talk about Indiana. Indiana is one of the smallest markets in the league. And so, that's why, you know, Oladipo, Sabonis, Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, all those players, they barely get any comp because they're on a team that's naturally, like, nobody's really going to pay much attention to. Unless they're facing someone like the Lakers or, like, the Golden State. Like, they have to be facing a top-tier team for people to care about. Them. Yeah, yeah, they just beat Golden State last night. Right, exactly. But the thing is, nobody's talking about it. <laughs> Nobody cares about Indiana. But, yeah, so the reason why that list is just so bad and so criminal is just players in spots that they should never ever be like. Chris Paul at 40, that, that made me laugh. I was like, bro, this list is not serious, bro. Okay, if you don't, if you have Chris Paul anywhere lower than top 20, you're tripping. You're big, big, big trip. And this man has CJ McCollum at 24. Right. <laughs> like, honestly, CP3 should be, like, top 15, really. Would, like, hold on, hold on. He put CJ, if CJ McCollum was a top 25 player, him and Dame would be damn contender. <laughs> like, what, bro? Like, 
if he was really David, like I love CJ. CJ is one of the one of my favorite players to watch because he's basically the type of two guard that he could do everything offensively, and he's a consistent twenty point per game scorer. So I love CJ. They ain't no damn top twenty for five playoffs. Sorry, he's just not. <laughs> it's just like it's just it's just a fact of the matter. He's top forty, but not no top twenty five. Yeah, I mean. I, he's like top thirty five, definitely top thirty five. Yeah. I guess CJ his respect. But yeah, like the, that list, like I said, I don't think he was serious. I think he just did it just to do it. Got clicks and ad revenue from it. And his Twitter account got suspended anyway because I tried to f- go on his Twitter and find it from there. I literally had to screenshot those from the video. His Twitter account's gone. How much on social media these days because I see all the trolls, like especially all these big sports trolls, which are kind of annoying though. But it's like they always had like these big backup, he always have like these backup accounts and everything. And like you see him in like literally every like response of like, tweets that blow up i'm like my goodness like do these people go to sleep they literally be in like every have like a top reply on like every major tweet bro it's like you would think did he really follow like all these accounts it's weird i don't know it's like these social media trolls man they something else uh all righty go ahead you know what you gotta do all right so now we're gonna talk about the nba and covid so as of this moment there have been a total of nine games that have been postponed. The seven that I talked about earlier, I was sending the group chat earlier this morning. And about an hour and a half ago, the Wizards-Pistons game on Friday and the Warriors-Suns game have been postponed, which brings the total up to nine. And so far now, three teams have had multiple games impacted. That will be the Celtics. They've had three. The Wizards and the Suns have both had two. So basically, my thing is, first of all, I want to point out there is a big difference between the word canceled and postponed because people have been using those interchangeably for like ever since this pandemic started and it really irritates me. So basically what the word postponed means is that it's not going to happen now, but the plan is that it is going to still happen in the future. And notice that all nine of these games have been postponed, not canceled. Now canceled means we're just not going to do it at all. But honestly, I feel like the plan for the NBA is, remember how they only announced half of the schedule? My, like, my working theory is that the second half includes about a one-week to two-week period where all the teams, like, were, like, that's exclusively set aside for all the games that have been postponed so that they can, all these teams can catch up and not have to, like, overtax their players in the back half of the season. So that's that's where I feel like about that. And also I want to address this whole this whole theory that people like this whole thing that fans have been talking about, like, oh, we need to go back to the bubble. And I'm assuming they're talking about the one centralized location like the NBA just had for the playoffs. It worked then. That don't mean it's gonna work now. In fact, it definitely won't. Because last year in the bubble, we were talking about 22 teams in a bubble in one spot for two months. And half of them didn't even stay, like most of the teams didn't even stay for half of that time. So for most of the teams in that bubble, it was really just like seven, eight games and they're out. Now for a bubble here to put all 30 teams in one spot, first of all, that would be a logistical nightmare. But on top of that being a logistical nightmare, you'd have to have these players coaches and other team personnel all in one spot for at least four months. Nobody nobody would be leaving until May. 
like nobody teams, which by the way, there would be 20 of them. Now they need to stay in this bubble for an additional two months. And I, honestly, I just don't like the idea that all, all of that's going to work the same way it did in the summer. It's just, it's just too many variables. That's just me though. You know, people to stay away from their families. They can't go out. They can't. And if you've heard players that were in the bubble locked up, JJ Reddick said on his on his podcast that he was in there for so long and he had been so secluded that when he got out, he didn't know what to do. To get himself accustomed to regular to regular life. There are people who their families. LeBron didn't have me for three months. You know, then not to mention the, you know, these are grown men with primal urges. And so, <laughs> yeah, you saw what happened today. <laughs> Ooh, that's story. Uh, that's another subject for another day. But yeah, that's, story. you know, yeah. you saw and it happens. You know what? People are like, yeah, you said, like, they're human beings, like, come on, you're a grown man, especially with the success you have. Like, at the end of the day, they have lives too. But come on, like, it's almost like you're putting these players on probation, like keeping them in the bubble for so long and everything. Honestly, mentally, no one, no one can really take that. Honestly, let's be real. Especially, it's not like you're in the military or something where like you have to, you know, seclude yourself and actually have to be over in another area to do what you have to do. But it's like basketball, and come on, like no one wants to be like trapped away from like society. And like just every like civilization, so I, I I can like granted the players had to do what they had to do to get and pay millions, so they're expected to follow rules. By the end of the day, like only a human being, like don't need going to like a human being is only going to stay trapped in for so long, like COVID or not. Exactly. It's just simple, you know, not like like they're they're not robots, you know, they're human beings. They're not animals. Yeah. So exactly, and honestly, I feel like. If they were to go into a bubble right now, like a whole mess of fans think they should, I guarantee you, I could tell, I could tell exactly what's going to happen. A couple teams are going to throw games on purpose, not for draft picks, not for a better chance at the first round, at the number one pick in the lottery. They're going to throw games because they just want to get the hell out of there as quick as possible. That's like that is exactly what would happen. Is to. Uh... I mean, to just power through it, like how the MLB did, like how the NFL did. Yeah, NBA has been way more responsible with their COVID protocols than the NFL or the MLB did. So Mm -hmm. if the the NFL was able to get through the regular season and now they're about to start the second round of their playoffs and the MLB made it all the way through the World Series, I don't think the NBA is going to have too many, too much more problems than either one of them did. Yeah, because honestly, the NBA they were handling the uh, the situation better than every other uh, big uh, big professional uh, sports league, especially with the bubble. The bubble was a genius idea, and honestly, the bubble really made the players focus on you know their craft more strictly on business more and their game more. It's the fact that they were like um isolated and all they could block out all the outside distractions. So it was a pretty good idea. And during the summer, really, that's really would made the summer kind of like somewhat better than despite everything that was going on that made the summer pretty good. The fact that we had basketball and we actually had something to look, to look forward to. So 
Yeah, I, I, the NBA, I feel as though they're going to make it to a full season, and they have been handling, handling the whole proto, uh, the whole COVID protocols pretty well. And they just have to continue to, um, you know, just test players, like test players every day. If you have multiple players that test negative, they just need to like postpone games. Like you said, just postpone them, not cancel, but schedule them to a later date. And which is making more sense of why they only really have, have to schedule and not the full schedule full schedule because the NBA they have the mindset like a lot of us have where times are unpredictable we don't know what's going to happen especially with COVID all these you know what's going on in the country with the social injustice and everything we just never know what the future of a holds during these times so the NBA they're, they're I think Phyllis Dota Dorm like they're doing the best they can right now is that the fact that they have so much to do in such a little time and a short amount of time since the season is shortened so we we'll have to wait and see and where these games are going to be rescheduled because that's a good thing. The fact that they're postponed and I actually canceled. So, yeah, I mean, I still commend Adam Silver for that. He's been, I feel as though he's been handling it pretty well. And I know he has a lot on his plate. So shout out to Adam Silver and everything. And you play NBA's um, handling the COVID uh, protocols and everything. Uh, if you want to piggyback on that um, or give your take on that. Oh, um, <clears throat> like I heard, I heard most of what that um, like I said, I respect the NBA because they went through a whole bubble, basically no cases, barely any situations. It was nothing short of a miracle. It was great job by the NBA, everybody that worked in the bubble. But I don't see them. <laughs> I, I just don't see it. Like, I literally don't see how they could feasibly do that because there's no way they're going to do a bubble with 30 teams. Like, that's, that's just not going to happen. Like, y'all said, like freaking what Evan said, there will be teams throwing games on purpose just to move things along quicker and get the heck out of there. Like, no, they will not do another bubble. Everybody's not doing the bubble. I mean, sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut you off, but uh, didn't hockey, Evan? Didn't hockey do a do a bubble with all their teams last? Hockey, hockey did have a bubble, but they just basically went straight into the playoffs. So for those right. thinking. No, NHL is not going to do a bubble either. All right. And a lot of these sports leagues are losing money because no fans are at the stadium, because they yep. ain't got no fans at the game. But mm-hmm. that's the risk that these that these leagues were willing to take when they sat down at, like, gathered their people together and said, okay, we're going to have a season. Like, they knew they was going to lose money, like, because, because again, of the no fans thing. They knew that teams were going to have issues with COVID, be it because they were being irresponsible or otherwise. You really can't tell for, with a lot of these teams' cases, but they knew all of this. But they still decided to, to press forward anyway because they at least trusted that they had a plan that they could get through the season. Like They still get through the season on time. And for MLB, that worked all the way through the – Again, they worked all the way through the playoffs. NFL, that has worked through the regular season and into the playoffs. So, it's like, we'll see. Yeah, honestly, um, the owners, the owners, they knew what the risk they were uh, going to take when they decided to um, continue the season. Of course, like you said, financially, that's, like, impacting the league, you know, the owners of the league and everything, uh, uh, like the franchises and stuff like that. So, with no fans, uh, the really – the main uh, way the owners are making the money through these franchises are like through team paraphernalia. So that's why, of course, like 
NBA shop.com, you know, NFL, uh, I mean, I mean, NBA store, NFL shop.com and all these other, uh, like sites and everything like sites, like that's the main way the, uh, these franchises of revenue, like are getting like revenue. And as you see the NFL, how they're allowing somewhat capacity in certain States where like they can allow up to at least 10% capacity, the NBA, they're not allowing like fans at all, no matter what state you're in. So they're being like very strict about this. And they need to continue to be strict because, as you see, as soon as these players are like finally outside of the real world, outside of the bubble, of course, you're going to have like positive tests because they're all out, like they're all out just live like living life and everything out in public. So even whether they experience symptoms or not, like you're going to have people that are test positive, like, like players are going to test positive. That's, that's expected. So it's just still like trying to uh, find ways to get it under control with such a short off season. So I'm not really going to knock the NBA. The NBA is just doing all that they can right now. And they were smart for only releasing like half the uh, schedule because they didn't really go full throttle with releasing hopefully more uh, safety adjustments as well with the um, schedule scheduling and we'll see how this uh, season can It's just financially impossible because the NBA lost billions. Not even just ticket revenues, not even just merchandise sales and all, but they lost billions of dollars in Profits because people have to understand don't play off don't, those playoff money that playoff money that they make, you know, with the people coming to the stands, they get the t shirts, they people buying food, people buying drinks, all that. That playoff money is very, very important. That's why playoff tickets be so expensive, regardless Hot, of the yeah. sport. Exactly. That's why they be right. so expensive. That's where like, they get their money from. It's like, like nose, bro, you have nosebreeds that be up there for like three, four, five hundred dollars. The nosebreeds, bro, what's up with the back seats? And but, you know, you when the Nats was in the World Series, games three, four, and five, it was standing room tickets going for 800 A lot of you finals, I saw a report where, like, on the court side seats for the NBA, I believe for the Warriors NBA finals, I think the first one when Kevin Durant was uh made it. I believe those court side seats, some of them going up, going for, like, $40,000. Like, none of them slicing it. Yeah, it, 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 yeah it, like, that's not even, like, exaggeration. Like, like, like $40,000. Like they were like going for that much for court size seats, so yeah, they were. That's where the NBA gets some of their big money during these playoff tickets. You know these big, you know they know like these big time ballers and everything. These big time people are gonna be willing to pay that much and be that close to the action. So I know that's hitting the these leagues hard with the playoff money. So it's just like yeah, like they lost a ton of money for that, and now the only reason they were able to you know sign these contracts and everything because they basically said okay we're going to keep the salaries cap exactly the same. Like, there was no inflation. There was no decrease. They just kept it the same as it was last year so that they, people could sign these contracts, get their money. But now, like I said, they have to make that money back. So they're probably taking a bigger percentage out of the NBA players' contracts because a lot of people don't know that 40, 50 mil that players signed for, usually they don't, they don't get all that money. They usually get half. Like, say, like, I'm going to use Giannis, for example. He signed a new year, five-year deal, 228 mil. He's not going to get all 228 mil from the contract. He might really only get, but now with the NBA having to make that money back they lost, he might only get like 100. See what I mean, right? So the NBA has to cut more into players' contracts. They're starting to uh, get into betting. Like they're starting to actually care about betting and make a profit from betting. They're starting to do all this stuff, fantasy and all that. So they need to make that money back. There's no feasible way that they could do another bubble. And honestly, things have to go back to normal. 
us the NBA really, really might get into a financial bar. Like this season has to end. Yeah, the, play, yeah, the playoffs start. Playoffs start in May, so, so that means the finals like, will August. probably be over by some point in July. Like yeah, July sometime August. in August. So the season has to end before that. So it has to end in the birthday. If it goes any longer than it's supposed to, and we have to delay the start of the next season, the NBA really, really could be a, another version of the lockout. Literally, like cancel the season, then do another bubble. See them just kind of, you know, keep keep postponing the games, probably um, increase the play limit, increase the play limit for the teams. You know, they're probably start bringing more G, more. You're gonna see more G League players coming up in the NBA getting called out. You know, they're gonna do little little tweaks to the kind of make sure the season goes off without a hitch as much as possible. Ed, or you're ready to go to the next topic. To reiterate, like something I said earlier, basically MLB ain't paused the season, NFL don't pause the season, so I don't really see a reason why the NBA has to. That's pretty much that's pretty much it. With the King Day is coming up on Monday. What does Martin Luther King not only does him, but what he stands for, what he was trying to accomplish, and everything about him? What does he mean to you? Is and uh, let me. It's coexisting together. Like what you see in the NBA where with and you have the white players locking arms with the black players and taking that knee. And also of kneeling, marching with you know, with signs locking, you know, locking, locking arms and 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 chanting, not rioting and looting and and man, because that's what they want us to do. That's what they that's who they want us to be. And Dr. King is like, no, we're gonna show them that that's not who we are. A peace. And what we, for the most, part, is we were peaceful with our demonstrations, with our protests. Yes, people rioted, yes, people looted. But that was that few, not the vast majority. The vast majority was out locking arms, marching, uh, giving speeches, holding, you know, holding up signs, showing solidarity. That's what we did as a people, as black people. For is just blacks, whites, Hispanics, Asians, any to coexist together, you know, nation. Martin the King, all he just wanted literally was peace just for everyone, no matter what your like political background, what like your religious background was, no matter how you looked, no matter the color of, of your skin was. He just wanted everyone to come together to like just bring peace. Yeah, it may sound like a fairy tale, but honestly, all, we don't all have to be buddy buddy, all be friends. He just wanted us to everyone just to get along and not, you know, judge everyone based off their skin color. Like make prejudice, you know, make all the like these this president's president's judgments and everything, and just stop the like racism and just like the stereotypes against other races that. that 
divides this country. And he made a lot of progress with bringing a lot of people together. He had a lot of white people uh, marching in um, his, um, his movements, his protests. And as you see, you, you can't really, I can't really blame black people these days for riding um, these days because as you see, being protesting peacefully back in the day, still got you like beat up, still got Martin Luther King assassinated. So honestly, Martin Luther King stood for like what the world needs to stand for and which is peace. But at the same time, goes that goes to show when you like protest peacefully, when you uh, address something peacefully, you still get like oppressed, you still get kicked down. So with like the rioting, the loot, like the looting and everything, I don't really commend it, but at the same time, it's understandable. Some people just, uh, you know, just took like a more of a Malcolm X approach where by anything necessary, you know, do what you have to do to really get your message across to finally, um, I know, have people hear what you're saying. But Martin Luther King, of course, like every year, really his day should be like a bigger holiday than what it is. Like every day needs to be Martin Luther King Day because what Martin Luther King stood for needs to uh, happen like every day in life which is just like corresponding with uh, like one another, no matter like what you look like and to stop making, uh, you know, stereotypes of, um, amongst each other and stop judging people based off like, the, just like based off their uh, religious views and the political views. So Martin Luther King, he means a lot to me. And it's gonna, it's like to me, one of the most um, iconic figures in history. The King, mean like is the textbook definition of unity these days you hit what uh these days the majority of the time you hear somebody talk about unity what they really mean is to ignore their flaws to ignore their bigotry to ignore all of that and just move on so they don't have to talk about it but what martin luther king did he routinely confronted racism he confronted white supremacy wherever he found it and no matter how many times he got arrested beat up or anything or anything else the man never strayed from his vision that's a vision where black people and white people were all like would all one day live in peace in a world with no hate that's like it seems as much of a fairy tale as that seems like i I honestly feel like I can relate to that because I'm not a hateful person at all. Like I'll, I'll look for reasons why I should like you before I'll probably find five reasons why I should like you before I find one reason to hate you. Like I like, so really Martin Luther King is a big person, like a big part a big inspiration of me being the person I am today. So that's what, that's what he means to me. He was a representation of a man that just wanted the best, not only for black people, he wanted the best for America as a whole. He stood for peace for all, harmony with your brother, your neighbor, no matter what they look like, your skin or wherever they come from. He was the definition of just accepting people for what they are and just wanting the world to be a better place. And he was big on, you know, someone has the same skin color as you, or if you look the same as someone, you should even help them out more because you both come from the same places, you come from the same background, you come from the same roots. Why fight your own brother over something that doesn't matter, but 
be ready to stand forth for your brother when something crazy happens. Most people understand that. But that's basically what current society is. Like, people don't talk about black and black crime, white and white crime. Nobody talks about the crime when it's against the same person that looks like them. But it's always when there's two opposing forces. That's when it becomes the headline of the conversation. And it shouldn't be like that. Like, as much as I like Black Lives Matter, I don't because they only want to show up when a white man hurts a black man. Or if it's cop, if it's a cop, white cop hurting a young black man. It's a bad thing, yes, and it should be addressed, but you have to keep the same energy for everything. And that's what Dr. King stood for. He had a dream where everybody got along, not some utopia that people try to make us know. He didn't think of a utopia where everything was butterflies and rainbows and everybody was singing la 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 and howdy how all the way to the bank and back and running down the streets like, hey, no. But he, want, he had a dream about a world where you were able to be friend. You were able to build a bond with someone no matter what. And you were able to have peace and harmony in the world, no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from. And that we're stronger together than separating ourselves because of, oh, you look a certain way, so I'm not going to be friends with you. I'm going to make you an enemy for no reason. No, Dr. King was all about come together in unison to fix the world and help make the world a better place. And I feel like his ideology has become lost over the years as, oh, you know, he was all for peace, but he will never push the issue. And I'm just like, that's not what Dr. King stood for. This man got arrested. This man got the fame. This man went through the went through the torture horrors of the 19, early 1960s and the late 50s. So he had his own share of violence. But what he wanted to do was use as least violence as possible, be more diplomatic. Let's talk. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. Let's fix things out like adults. And we're going to end up arguing with this a little bit later. But there's people that think they're grown and, you know, they may be grown by age, by number, but they're not grown by mentality. Dr. King had a very mature mentality of, listen, we come from different worlds, come from different backgrounds, but at the same time, me and you can have an equal footing. We can find a middle ground. So that is what Dr. King meant to me. He was a man of reverence, to be respected. He wanted the best for everyone, no matter where you came from. And he was always down to have a sit down talk with someone to fix an issue. And I don't know if it's going to be the last, but it's going to be one of the last. Um, I ended up posting this thing on social media recently, and I did get some very interesting responses about it. It was about why aren't marriages lasting like our grandparents' generation? So before I go deep into it, I want to see what the guys have to say about it. What do you guys think is the reason why our generation and I wouldn't even say the one mm-hmm. before, like the older members of our generation when it comes to marriage is seeming like something that mm-hmm. is no longer really the popular option and people are more of just going like, hey, okay. when I have a domestic partner, you know, I don't want to wake up alone. All right. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of have a theory on that. Yeah. So as you see, marriage like back in the, pretty much like you want to talk about how marriage back in the day where 
back in the day, when it comes to the, it has a lot to do with like the gender roles, honestly, because back in the day, men were like the main people really working, like the main people who could really like get jobs. Of course, women didn't have a lot of, you know, as many rights back in the day. And men were like the money makers, whereas the woman's spouse, she stayed in the house to make sure, you know, food was cooked, everything was like organized uh, around the house. Where these days, women, they're like their own boss these days. They're, uh, they have more rights. They can get like these six, like these high paying jobs, these six and seven figure paying jobs. Women are becoming way more independent where to the point they're so busy. And also it's like they live like how they want and they feel as though they might not really need a spouse or, you know, to really fully commit to really, uh, you know, to make it through in life because women like they're, they're taking over, especially with like a lot of like top government jobs and like entrepreneurship. So it's like relationships and whether you have time to really like fully commit to somebody and really actually like you say have a family or just like have a spouse is really not, I mean, of course there's a lot of issues these days. Of course, like it's a lot of toxic stuff these days. The generations and our mindsets have changed when it comes to relationships and not everyone does believe in marriage. But to me, besides all of that though, is the fact that the gender roles have like definitely, it's like really no such thing as a gender role is really men and like the women are really becoming like are making money for themselves can financially uh you know hold their own and they probably feel as though they really don't need a spouse or like they don't need to really be like married and fully committed so that's why i see it as as far as like how generations have changed as far as uh financial independence and um like you said uh the roles of society these days it's because people in general have a more individual type of approach. By, by that, I mean, back in our parents' days and our grandparents' days, the pinnacle of life is basically you get married, you have a fa- like you have some kids, you have a family, and, th- and that's like the pinnacle of life. These days, the pinnacle of life is more so you get a, you get a good job, your career like your career takes off, you make six, seven figures. And you live well for yourself. And then as far as marriage goes, basically, again, like I just said, for our parents and our grandparents, it was you have to get married. You, you got to get yourself a man or you got to find yourself a girl. But for our generation, the common take on marriage is basically if I get like if I get married, cool, but I don't have to. So if I don't want to get like so I don't want to get married, I don't have to. So that that's the reason why marriage, like we're we're not seeing as many marriages in this generation, and why marriages aren't lasting. Because basically, it's like my self worth isn't tied to a woman, and a woman's self worth is not tied to me. And honestly, I feel like that's the way it should be. Um, not lasting, but whether aren't as many marriages now as there was, you know, back when our parents and grandparents were coming up is one because more infidelity, but it damn sure is magnified. Um, I do think that the whole norm of the man being the breadwinner and the woman just being a, you know, just being a, just being a housewife, you know, those, those days are over. More women are more independent. 
more women are like, look, I don't need a man. I don't need this. I don't need that. Although they would like to have one as like a confidant, as someone that she can, you know, that she can share her experiences with, that she can share her life with. At the same time, she's, you know, she would rather, she would rather be alone in her own space doing that than be with a man and be subject to a bunch of toxicity like uh you know you know it saves her you know the abuse it saves her the you know what whatever can happen not saying that men can't deal with that also but just looking at it from the woman's side, I mean, as much as I can, but I think part of it does have to do with how these, you know, how these days, you know, women are taught that, hey, you don't need a man to give you this and that and blah, 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 blah. You don't need a man to be happy. As you said, Evan, men and women are now realizing that they don't need the opposite sex or whatever or what or what have you or someone else to realize their self-worth you know it's starting to be more common now to be like hey this whole marriage thing is a, you know is a you know is a scam one because you see a lot of these people get into marriages get into these marriages and they get cheated on because a person is unhappy and because this person is unhappy they don't want to you know they're not going to talk about why they're on why they're on you know unhappy because there's a lack of communication and talking about it instead they're just going to go and they're going to have relations with someone else while they're in this type of marriage now that's part there's probably more to it you know, I don't have all my thoughts with, with me right now, so just bear with me. But I think that's I, I, I feel like I feel like that I feel like that's I feel like that's part of it. And again, as I stated at first, like I think that cheating, that more people are cheating these days, or at least getting caught with it, are getting caught doing it. Like like it's kind of hard, it's harder to sneak around as easy as you could you know 20 30 years ago with you know everyone you know there's there's cameras everywhere you know so especially if you have like like thousands of followers on social you know on you know on social media if old dude has a girl who has 3,000 followers and she posts their relationship all day, every day. And then old dude is posted up with another, with another girl. Then he's, then he's going, then he's going to get caught. Basically what I'm saying is like, basically what I'm, what I'm saying is that infidelity is at a rise and more people have trust issues because of it. And that strays people away from marriage or it ends marriages. 
a lot of people aren't the option. It is a deep thing. Like, so you guys all said great points. Beautiful points, indeed. But I think it's really just a few things breaking it down simple. Number one, you have us, our generation, especially us men. We talked about this maybe episode one. But we're born into the world and we have this... I'm trying to, this standard to live by that society presses is like, okay, you have to be this by this point. You have to be successful. You have to have your life in order by 25, 26. You have to be married by 27, 20. You got to start having kids in my 30. You got to start doing this. Like, we grew up in the age where societal pressure has been at its highest it's ever been because of social media. Not everybody has a voice. Back in the early 2000s, you know, social media wasn't really a thing. People were kind of doing whatever they wanted. And, you know, the only reason to get caused it feels like a news article or a local news station was able to pick you up and kind of build a story around you. But now with social media, people can literally just hop on. They see how people talk about a certain thing and it forms their mindset. It forms how they think about things. It forms where the good, positive, or indifferent, it forms a conception like, okay. So I see a lot of people talking about this thing on the third, and it's usually in a certain cognitive, Jesus Christ, I can't find the word, but in a certain way, and they're trying, they're like, okay, I'm going to take it as that because it's the norm. So I feel like the thing with marriage, people have seen you know their parents the grandparents go through they've seen the good the bad the beautiful the ugly everything and nowadays people are bolder people are more outspoken than ever people are more willing to stand on their morals more than ever people are not down to sacrifice like they used to be back in the day and that can be a good and a bad thing it's a good thing because you know your worth you know your value you know what you're about like you're not about to go for anything less and that's understandable but it could be a bad thing because you see things like, okay, it's like you're like brainwashing the sense of, well, oh, if this person doesn't have this and that and third, they're not worth anything. And it's like, when it comes to just a relationship, we're not even talking about, we're not, we're talking about marriage. Relationship or marriage is two different levels. That's two different levels of commitment, two different levels of caring, two different levels of, Taking someone and be like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make space. Me, I'm gonna make space for you. Even in a regular relationship, say like I see this girl, I see this girl on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. She's cute. She posts funny stuff. What's that? She was sharing little stuff. I said, hey, slide in DMs. Let's get to know each other. You know, I'm not even thinking about being with her more. I'm just thinking about being in a little bit. I'm just trying to be friends. Just trying to, you know, have conversation. The reason why, you know, you could be a genuine person that's trying to have a talk and then you just get end up being rejected or ignored because now the norm is if a guy hits a girl, just dick pic. This dick pic is something that she didn't ask for. She didn't ask for. You just slid in there and said, whoop, whoop, here we go. I'm out. We'll be bound. Like a lot of guys have done that and it's kind of soured a lot of women. So like when you hit them up and you're just trying to be like a genuine person, trying to be cool with them, trying to just have a conversation. They're going to see you as trying to get at them. And then it's just a negative thing. And that's not a good thing. And then there's a lot of guys out here that consider themselves men, but they're not really men. Because 
A real man will step up to the plate when he needs to do, and a real man will get his business done when he needs to get done. And that even gets into my other point. The natural order is a little bit out of balance. I'm not saying you have to do everything by the book. Of course, no. You can't use stuff that was from the 1960s and 2021. That's just a logic. But what you can do, you can use that as a guideline to be like, okay, this, I can go by this, this, and this. You know, we can mix this up a little bit. We can change, make some tweaks and changes. But you can still use it as a guide. The natural order of just how men and women are is out of balance. Because more guys nowadays are comfortable, lax. They're fine when I'm doing things, letting the woman do all the work. Which is, I'm all for women empowerment. I'm all for equality. I'm all for it. I love it. I love seeing it. But there's just certain things that a man is built for that a woman is not built for. Just like how women can have kids and we can have kids. That's what they're built for. That's what they were created to do, to help reproduce the human population. This is the simple talk right here. And guys are meant to be heads of the household, you know, protect their family, be the leader in the relationship, be the head honcho, like, okay, I'm going to be the one that makes the step for them, makes not all the decisions, but more often than not, makes some effort to be like, all right, I'm going to be the main decision maker. But nowadays, guys are not doing that. Guys are relaxed, they're chilling. They're kind of taking a backseat role. They're being the foundation of the building instead of being the building itself. And people don't get it when I use that uh, that metaphor or similar, whatever you call it. But basically, this is how it is. Us men, we are built to be the building. We're built to create the building. We're not built to be the foundation that holds the building up. Like they say, behind a great man is a great is a greater woman because the women are supposed to be the calming of our storm. We are black men in 2021 America. We are born into this world with a target on our back. We are born into this world having to work three times for one third of what the white people have. So our life is going to, us growing up and we become men, it's going to be more difficult already. You know, we're not going to get the same opportunity because of our skin tone, because of how we look. Like we said last time, how Evan said it, we'll look the stubs, thieves, every negative context in the book, that's how we're looked at. That's how people see us. So we're already naturally just going to be more times of more times are not upset and angry about life, but we're trying to make it through. We're trying to raise the ceiling. We're trying to break through the glass, break through the glass, and be the greatest we can be. Not only for us, not for our families, but for other people just like us. They'd be like, "Hey, listen, Evan did this. He stepped out and went into his field. He became one of the greatest commentators in the generation. He is an inspiration for me because I come from a similar place that he came from." So if he can do it, I can do it too. So any reasonable, respectable black man wants to put himself out there, not only for him and the fame, but for the culture to show that, listen, we could do it too, bro. We can be great as well. We don't need someone in our life that's going to add to the story. A lot of women will not understand that, but this is what I mean by that. A lot of women now are independent, which is great. They're strong, strong, got strong backbone, headstrong. They about to do what they want to do. They're, they're a very, very hard earned woman. I understand that. I get that. But at the same time, a lot of them are just too independent for them. They think they don't need nobody. 
And I'm not even just talking about they, they think they can do it all by themselves. And in this life, you can't do everything by yourself. I'm just going to be honest with you, you can't. Especially as black people, hell no. You're going to get slapped around. You're going to get disrespected. You're going to get, you're going to get all the bad negative connotations in the book. You cannot do it by yourself. You need someone to be there to help you, to motivate you, to uplift you, to keep you going. You need that special person. At a certain point, we're all going to need that special person to elevate to the next level. Because in life, there's stages, there's levels of this. And there's a lot you can do on your own. There's a lot you can accomplish on your own. There's a lot that you can do on your own that you can get to. But you're going to get to a point in life where you just need that special person, whether they're going to be your wife, your domestic partner, your girlfriend. You're going to need that person to help you, to motivate you to get to the next level. And how can you help me be the best person I can be when you're just adding headache to my life? When you're adding stress and discomfort to my life, I'm coming home, you know, you're yelling about stuff that don't matter. You're giving me a headache, you're being a leech. You're not helping me mentally, physically, or spiritually. So a lot of women nowadays, they think that they can do all their own. They don't need nobody, which is cool in some aspects, but in other aspects, that could be a bad thing because you're going to end up being undesirable. No man wants to wants to be with a woman that thinks that she can do everything on her own. Just like how no woman wants to be with a man that thinks he's unstoppable, that he thinks he can disrespect women and do all the end up be all and get away with it. You have to keep the same energy both ways. And all this monetary value, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who makes more. It doesn't matter who has this job and that job. I was really just talking about this with somebody today. That's, just, that's why I'm so kind of passionate about it. You, it doesn't matter what your station is. It matters about you, the person, and you, the other person. You guys want to build a bond. You guys want to be something. You guys see something in each other. And you guys see that, okay, I can be with this person. I can be happy. And I can reach a stage of life that I cannot reach without that person. There's too many people in society that don't understand that money and material things is not everything. In fact, it doesn't really mean much. It's just additional thing on the cake. What really matters is you and this person taking time to know each other, to sacrifice for each other, to make compromises for each other, to break down whatever pride each other have and come together and be like, listen, I like in fact, I may even love you. I want to build a life with you. And I'm willing to make whatever sacrifices have to work. But that has to be both sides. It can't be one side. A lot of times it's one side. A lot of times I see it where you have one partner who's down to make everything work. You know, who's very respectful, diplomatic. Just wants to make, make the best of the situation. And then you have the other one who's a hardhead that's like, oh, no, it has to go my way. If it doesn't go my way, if it doesn't go the way I want it to be, then you got to go, you know, doors right there. And how are you going to build healthy relationships doing that? You're not. You're just going to breed toxicity. And you're either going to end up with someone just as toxic as you, and it just messes your mind up and your mental state up, or you're going to end up being alone. So I feel like when it comes to marriage, when it comes to just relationships and building bonds in general, we have to focus on the things that actually matter, the small everyday things, 
the making sure she's good when she gets up. Sometimes supporting, always supporting her business, what she's doing. Same thing for supporting us and supporting the business we're doing. Being the reason why we get up and we can go at it every day for what we want. Because you give us the extra boost, the extra motivation to go at it. And you make me feel like the king I'm supposed to be. And you make her feel like the queen that she's supposed to be. And also getting to know them and not being around someone that you can't stand. There's a lot of people that end up getting relationships. They be with someone that they don't like. And I would never understand that. If I'm trying to be relationship with you, I've already vetted you. We've had the conversation. We've gotten to know each other. Trying to get each other known on a deeper level. And we start to build a bond that's just nearly unbreakable. So in the end point, because I just rambled on for a long time. <laughs> the reason I feel like marriage is not the same it's because people just don't focus on the things that truly matter when you're trying to build a bond and build a life with someone. But yeah, I know you good, bro. I think some of it is also. I think I don't. I I don't know if you touched on this or not. Um, because you did. You did say. You did say a lot, but it's all. But it's all. But but it's all good. Um, you know, like you look at social media, and. I see it as a lot of people, you know, in our age group, like, like a lot of us want to get married early. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those people until I actually, you know, like before I started dating, I was like, oh yeah, I would love to get married early and this, that, and the fourth. And so I actually started dating and I was like, ah, no. Um, Cause there's more to it than what people actually think there is. Um, And I think a lot of people, in our age group, they want to get married early and they want to get married because they want the whole like person that they can like, like they want, you know, like the person that, that they can have, you know, consistent sex with and the person that they can, you know, that they can live with and they can do goofy stuff with and watch movies with and have kids with and yada, 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 which is all fine and dandy, you know, but a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of bad that goes with all of that good and they're not willing to deal with the bad. And that's the thing about being with somebody long, you know, long term, whether it's marriage or whether it's relationships is, is sticking through them, through the good and the bad. Now, the bad does not mean cheating. That, you know, doesn't mean cheating. It doesn't mean physical or mental abuse. You know, it, it, it means through whoever whomever's personal struggles or relationship or relationship struggles that y'all go through you know that whenever the times get rough that you're just not going to jump ship you know and what was I about to say and and i just think people like women get married for this thing there was this thing that was for social media 
where women get married just to have the little weddings and just to have the little and just to have the little you know just to have their little day when when really the person that she's marrying she really like you said she really can't stand cuz you know the person that she's marrying really he's an abusive jerk the person that she's marrying is cheating on her high key and then for the man it's like he has a wife just to say that he has one when when really all she when when I mean when really all he's I mean ah fuck I lost my train of thought bro I'm sorry but um when in actuality like she irks his nerves like she's like she's greedy she's controlling she's just a bitch <laughs> um <laughs> You know, she's, you know, she's nitpicky, she's naggy, you know, and he, like, and she's like, she's like a younger version of his mother. And no man, I mean, no man wants that unless, I mean, he's a true mama's boy and, you know, I mean, his mom was a saint or something like that. And he holds every, and he compares every woman he's with to his, to his, to his mother, one of those guys, but but, but yeah, I just think like a lot of just people, just, 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 just people our age, like we want to get married just to say we got married when in actuality, we really don't like the person. Like we romanticize like these celebrity relationships like Will and Jada and and uh Jay-Z and Beyonce we we romanticize that we fantasize about having those types of relationships but at the same time do you think that Will and Jada have been together for more than a decade without any real heart I mean we saw what they went through during during the during the during the summer and Beyonce's lemonade album was made about Jay-Z cheating on her so it so it's like do you like not saying do you really want to get married but it's like when you really look at this stuff is this something that you want to do now? And I say that to say where I, I think that some of the reasons why it doesn't last is because we, one, try and do it too early. Two, we're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And three, like we compare ourselves too much, whether we want to admit it or not. Like 
we like like we like we do. And then, and of and of and of course, there's more to it. You know, of course, I was talking about infidelity earlier, which I think that plays a that plays a part too. So, and say, okay, am I ready to? Am I mentally stable? Do I know what I want? Life? Do I feel like I'm comfortable in life? Where, you know, I feel like I'm at that level. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can start looking for that special part. See, this is why I say it's a mental thing. Because this is a conversation you have to have by yourself. You have to have to yourself. You have to have in your head, like, okay, am I really ready to do this? Even relationship-wise, like, whenever it's about marriage, just civil relationship, marriage, that's a whole other level of commitment. And people have commitment issues. You have to be able to stand up and be like, okay, I have anger issues. I have commitment issues. I have this, that, and the third. Let me work on that. Let me fix that. So that. I don't end up being with someone and hurting the other person. It's the same thing as me. I have a, my own problem. <laughs> I don't give myself enough credit when I should get credit. Like I'm always holding myself to a high standard because me too. I'm a, me too. I'm an only. I don't have any siblings, and I've kind of really had to get comfortable being alone and having those moments where you're just deep in thought and just wandering and your mind goes in 200 million directions. So I have a problem of not giving myself credit, but I always say that I'm working on that. And I always say, when I'm talking to someone, I'm like, listen, there's going to be an adjustment period because I'm always used to being on my own. I'm always used to watching out for my back the most, just watching out for me. A relationship is an adjustment. It's a journey because you're trying to create something with somebody. Whether it works, whether it doesn't, it's a journey. So what people our age have to do more often than not, we have to have that talk with ourselves and be like, are we ready to do this? Are we ready to build a bond with another person? Are we mentally stable? Because if the answer is no, bro, work on yourself. Man or woman, work on yourself. Focus on you. Because at the end of the day, who's gonna take better care of yourself than you? You have to watch out for yourself. You have to know your strength and your weaknesses. You know, you have to have that mental state of, okay, I'm ready for this. You know, you don't have to be perfect. No, I'm not asking for perfection. Nobody's perfect. The only person that's perfect is the Lord Almighty himself up in heaven. But what you have to do is have a checklist and be like, okay, I covered this, I covered this, I covered this, I covered this, I covered that. I'm ready. I met you right. Even though I may not be in a perfect place right now, and not have been the back of my point. It doesn't matter where this person is in life, their achievements, their money, it doesn't matter. That that stuff really honestly doesn't matter. It's all about this simple question. Well, two questions. One, are they going to treat you right? And two, are they going to do their part in the relationship? It's just that simple. Those two things. And then three, are they going to understand you? Are they going to get to know you as a person? Are they going to understand you as a person? Well, okay, this is a person I can be with. This is a person that you know, we vibe. We vibe, we mix well, we can do this. You have to have these conversations, not only with your book, the other person as well, you know, but 
mainly I'm focusing on the mental aspect of you acknowledging whether you have problems or not. If you know you have an issue and you're working on it, work on it first to the best you can do and come back and see the progress you've made from the last time you had the conversation with yourself. And like I said, don't take it. Like I literally saw someone there. I said, I don't care if this woman works at them McDonald's or Walmart. That doesn't matter to me. That doesn't matter because everybody has different stages in life. Everybody has their own time, their own moment where they're really gonna blow. They're really gonna be something because not everybody can be successful at the same time. And sometimes you have to fail more times than not to really understand your lane in life. So it's just a lot of things where it's, it's just a level of maturity that's required and a level of thinking that's like, okay, I'm making these steps forward. I'm building myself up. You need to have that with yourself because you can't go dead hiving into these relationships blind and do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. If your relationship or marriage is built on sex, it will not last. It will not last. It's important. I'm not going to say sex enough, but it's very important. You know, we're, we're, we're human beings. We're made to reproduce. It, it's, it's, it's a natural part of life. And if you're not going to have open conversation about sex, you're just not mature. Like, we are all not kids anymore. We're all in our mid-20s. You can have an open conversation about sex. But what I'm saying is your reasoning, your link to that person cannot be by sex because it will not last because we live in a society where honestly sex is no longer has value to it people are throwing their dicks people are throwing their pussy people are throwing their bodies just like people left and right it's ridiculous it's like people just don't have morals anymore and that's a conversation we're gonna dip in on another day but not today i'm not diving on that bag but yeah so if it's built on sex and you know, over time, it's not as pleasurable as it used to be. You're gonna get tired of it. You're gonna get annoyed by the person. That's how people end up cheating. So when you are trying to build a bond with you, build a genuine bond, a bond that is not material or superficial, a bond that is something where you and that person are connected like this. You guys are in such sync that sometimes you guys don't even need to talk and you already know what to do that you guys are in your own bubble when you guys are around each other. It's a multi-layered issue. And the funny thing is about it, it's something that could be easily fixed if people were just mature. People who's mature, people looked at themselves in the mirror and said, I have a problem. I'm this, I'm that, I need to find ways to work on that. I'm not gonna go into no names, but there's people that we know that are like that. that they ended up being, you know, the bad relationship, you know. They, of course, life is crazy. Not everything's going to go. You're going to have people that's going to do you wrong. That's just part of life. There's no point of you holding a grudge about it and being angry about it. Just let it go. It's life in itself. But, hold on. <laughs> but there's people that we know that they end up being in a bad relationship. They get out of it. They're trying to fix themselves. They're trying to work on themselves. But then they end up being, they end up jumping into something else. Like a whole nother relationship right then. It's like, I'm just like, you've not even looked at yourself in the mirror and truly addressed all the issues you have. You can't get mad if whatever you're getting into, it ends up not working or something crazy happens and it causes you to mentally fall deeper into a pit. 
sometimes it's just better to be alone. I know nobody wants to be alone. I know it sucks. It's annoying. I know it's not pleasant. It's not okay, but sometimes it's just a smarter option. Sometimes it's just a better one. So anyway, I'm done. You got <laughs> I can't with you, man. I can't with you. <laughs> but you something else. Man, I'm honest, man. No, 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 no. You are. Um, and I guess, you know, before we wrap this up, I mean, I don't I don't know how much time we got. But um <sighs> Part of it is, and I guess like we're not even on the full thing of marriage now, it's just relationships in general. Um, like number one, if you in it for sex, it's not gonna last because you're gonna get unhappy quick. Because let's be real, like any like 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 anyone can get your rocks off, man. Like you can find any girl that can, you know, make you feel good. A girl can find any man that can make him feel good. And the thing and the thing is, make him feel good in the moment. And the thing, oh, that date a porn star, bro. And the, and the thing, and the thing is, not even that. But um, at the at the end of the at the end of the day, you're gonna be having all this sex with this person, but then you're gonna want more, and that person's not gonna want to give you more, and then you're gonna go through all these people. And they only want one thing. So for me, it's just like sex isn't everything, which is for me, like it doesn't phase me. Like my, like, here's a little bit of an overshare. My ex used to try and threaten to hold out sex from, from me. And I would just look at her and I would just be like, okay, that's fine. If that's what you're going to do, I mean, <laughs> that's all right with me. <laughs> it's going to hurt, but you know what? I'm a man about it. But any, but anyways, but it's just to say, like, like, I mean, we have porn for a reason. Sometimes they say the best thing to do is to not go and do this and that but to just stay home and, and whatever you know the rest but another but another thing is like like heal from like heal from your past like that's the biggest thing like just you don't like Sanfa said, like you don't want to sit here and get into a relationship with somebody and you have all of this baggage from previous relationships that you haven't even taken the time to, to fully analyze. You look at it as, oh, well, she did this to me and now I know not to take that shit no 
you know, no more. So guess what? I'm going to get with this person and we're going to do that and yada, 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 yada. And then watch as old girl, old new girl is doing the same thing that old girl did. And now you find yourself triggered and you're projecting those worries, those feelings, that hurt that you felt from what the last girl did in that same situation, you're now doing that to this one girl who doesn't deserve it. Where maybe it is a similar situation, but she's doing something different. And it's not what you think it is. You know? So it's just like, just take time to be alone. Don't jump into a relationship. Don't force yourself to be with somebody when you're not ready. Because all that's going to do is make you miserable and it's going to make that other person miserable. Because maybe that other person is one is 100% ready to give themselves to somebody. They are in the best condition of themselves that they've ever been. This is the best version of themselves. And what you're going to do being low-key unhappy with all this resentment from the past coming up all that's going to do is just suck the life right out of them and maybe that life that you sucked out of them is going to go right into you then you're going to be full and then you're going to realize that they're a shell of themselves and now you're wondering oh what the fuck happened to you oh i don't like this bye and there you have it. But man, you got any other topics, bro? You got any other topics? Man? Um, I think that was the last one, honestly. Yeah, that's the last one because I do not want what happened in episode three to happen. Yeah, when I tell y'all, when we finished, bro, I clocked it. We were talking for three hours and thirty minutes. It's been two and a half hours now, and it is almost it was- up. Yeah. This is a short episode, guys. Joe Rogan would be very disappointed. <laughs> so Joe Rogan put some money in my pockets, then we can go one for five hours, man. <laughs> you know what's so hilarious is when we have guests, bro, that's when we're really going to have crazy length. Like, I'm telling you, bro, we're going to probably have one time when this year is four hours. It's, it's, just, it's just, like certain people we have in the pod, we're just going to keep talking until... You know, dawn or dusk, whatever you call it. It's going to be ridiculous, but all right. It's been another wonderful episode. We got into a lot of good topics. It was beautiful talk. You're... And you guys have anything to say to the people before we cut it off for this? I would like to say that the Washington Capitals Stanley Cup run starts tomorrow. We're going to beat the brakes off the Sabres. You heard it here first. Let's Go Caps. I just want to say shout out to Tyrese Maxey and the 76ers, you know, and just for like, you know, cooking shit this season. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, I would like to say hi, mom. Hi, dad. Shout out Entanglements chat. Shout out Smiles. Shout out all the bros. Shout out Trash. Shout out Bio. All right. And one more question for you guys. Oh, you thought oh, you thought I was gonna do it today? How about them cowboys?
All right, you guys, it's been great. Shout out to everybody that's been giving us love and support. I'm so happy I'm on this journey with the three of you. There's no three other people I'd rather be on it.